0: Our text today is found in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 41. And it begins this way. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed, that if it is possible, that the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. This is the word of the Lord. It was just before midnight on Thursday of Holy Week. Uh, Jesus and his disciples had just finished the meal that they had shared together, the Passover meal. Leaving the upper room, they went down a steep ravine, across a little brook, and back up the other side of the valley to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, a place filled with olive trees. As Jesus entered the garden, he asked his disciples to wait near the outskirts, and then he asked three of them, Peter, James, and John, to go along with him to a place a bit deeper in the garden. There they could see the emotional anguish on his face when he said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Then it says he walked a few steps further and fell to the ground. Jesus then told his heavenly father what was on his mind. Father, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. Essentially, Jesus was asking, Father, surely there's another way. Another way to accomplish your plan that doesn't involve rejection, a trial, torture, crucifixion, and death. Isn't there another way? But at the end, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. What did God say? In short, he said no. I don't know if you've thought about the choices that Jesus had at that moment, but there are at least two, fight or flight. On one hand he could have decided to lead a rebellion, jihad for Jesus. Or he could have turned and run away from the horror that awaited him. But he didn't do either of these. In the end Jesus didn't waver. Instead, he accepted God's will. He trusted his life not his human wisdom, but to his not to human wisdom, but to his Father in heaven. Have you ever had a conversation with God that's gone a little bit like what you just heard from Jesus? I certainly have. I'd have moments in my life when I didn't want to go where Jesus wanted me to go or stay where he wanted me to stay or do what it seemed he was asking me to do. I too have tried to persuade God that I knew best. Following Jesus can be costly and we often don't want to pay the price. Sometimes we have a plan only to find out that God has a different plan. It may be that God calls us to a way of obedience, a way of sacrifice and inconvenience or to one of suffering and pain. But know that as hard as it is to follow Jesus, it's also the way of greatest joy. An hour later, Jesus returned and found his disciples sleeping. And he says, couldn't you keep watch for even one hour? Just when Jesus needed his friends most, essentially, he finds himself all alone. All he had was God. And God was asking him to do the most difficult thing imaginable. Jesus then went away a second time. Matthew tells us that he prayed, Jesus, or Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he finishes, it's as though God says, you're right. It's not possible. Trust me and obey. I know what's best. Again, Jesus returned to his disciples, and again he found them sleeping, because it says their eyes were heavy. So a third time, Jesus went away, and it says he prayed the same thing, and by implication... Got the same answer. It seems to me there's a progression here. Because first, Jesus prays, if it is possible, allow a way out of this. The second time, Matthew tells us, if it's not possible to avoid this, may your will be done. And I just imagine that the third time, what he said was, since it's not possible, let your will be done. But we should not understand these words as those of one trapped by fate but of one who knew what he needed to do and was determined to obey the will of his Father all the way to the end. What we see here is Jesus' full humanity. He's overwhelmed. He's at the end of his physical, mental, and emotional reserves. He's terrified and distressed. Why? Some of you have seen The Passion of the Christ, a film produced a number of years ago that depicts all of the events that we're talking about over these coming weeks. And if you see that film, you may conclude that what he was afraid of was death and all of the pain that went with the crucifixion itself, the physical suffering he was about to endure, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross, to be exposed to the elements as he hung there on the cross. But as bad as those things were, the real horror Jesus faced that day was not physical but spiritual. It was actually looking in the face of sin. From where Jesus stood, he stood looking into darkness and saw the grinning faces of all the demons in the world looking at him. So it's no wonder then that Jesus begged his father, take this cup from me. Yet he tells God, yet not what I will, but what you will. So we should understand here that Jesus had a choice. He could have walked away and taken the easy way out. Instead, he does what's asked of him. He voluntarily chose to expose himself to the judgment that should normally rest upon all of us. The garden conversation shows Jesus' humanity, but it also shows his resolve. In the end, he makes it plain. He intends to willingly submit to God's will for his life. There was no other way than the cross. The clear message of this story is that when Jesus walked into the garden, he knew what he needed to do. It had to do with obedience. And so the only question that remained, the question that he wrestled with during that time, was would he accept? Would he surrender to God's will for his life? Would he be willing to go to the cross, not in strength, but in weakness? Would he submit to the will of God no matter where it took him? So what can we learn from Jesus? How can we learn to live this out? That probably doesn't take you very long to think of your own Gethsemane moments. Maybe it was a time a long time ago, and maybe you're in one right now. When our Gethsemane moments come, we need to learn to say, your will be done and surrender to God. I think there's at least two ways that we need to surrender to God. And the first is what you could call big S surrender. And that is to receive the invitation that Jesus offers each one of us to become a Christian. The way that happens is by first understanding, comprehending, and even embracing the bad news about ourselves. And that is that we're more sinful and broken than we would ever admit. But the good news is that we are more loved and cherished than we ever imagined. And the even better news is that Jesus lived the life that we cannot live, and yet he also died the death that we deserved so that we might be reconciled to God. Through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we can have a relationship with God in his name. Our response to that should be to trust and commit to follow him as Lord, as the leader of our lives, not out of duty but out of gratitude for what God has done for us. Big S surrender is the reason that Jesus went through the experience that we're talking about over these weeks during Lent. The experience that began when he and the disciples left that garden. Jesus was arrested. It's the reason that he died on the cross for us. So why big S surrender? Because putting Jesus at the center of our lives bring peace and meaning and purpose and guidance and strength and hope for eternity we would not otherwise have. Christian faith is the best, most comprehensive explanation of reality that there is. It's a message that speaks to the deep longings of our soul. One that is logically coherent, emotionally satisfying, and psychologically healthy. And so we need to receive the invitation that Jesus offers each one of us that comes through what his son Jesus did for us on the cross. The second way we can put this into practice is what we might call small s, surrender. These are the things that we do day by day, even moment by moment. And it involves what Jesus did in the garden with his father in heaven, considering each moment bringing it to him and letting him guide us, trusting him with our lives. Because sometimes we're asked to do things that are challenging, difficult, but we need to do out of obedience to God. Why do we do that? Well, because Jesus can be trusted. He's the wisest, most loving person who ever lived. Life with him offers grace and peace and hope and freedom and the healing that we also deeply need. The ability to flourish and to become the people that God wants us to be. To follow Jesus is to discover that he alone can satisfy our deepest longings, transform our most persistent failings, and heal our deepest pain. And what more could we want? Both big and small S surrender require something of us. We have to give up control. We have to trust God and obey. How do we do that? Well, let's go back to the story just for a moment because the way that Jesus went through this experience in the garden teaches us how. You'll remember as he entered the garden, it says that he was deeply distressed and troubled. Matthew adds that he was sorrowful. He's facing the biggest test of his life, and it's overwhelming. But his response is something that he had done repeatedly throughout his life. He went to get alone with his father, his heavenly father, and to pray. And that's something that we can do as well. If you've been here at City Church very long, you know that periodically, actually fairly regularly, I encourage you to consider spending time each day with God. If you've never done it before, consider setting aside about 10 or 15 minutes. That's all it takes. There are a couple of elements. First of all, read something from the Bible. We've been going through this during this Lent season, the end of Mark's biography of Jesus. At some point in the next year or so, we're going to start at the beginning, looking at Mark. It's the shortest biography. It's, It's concise. It's succinct. There are paragraphs you can read. You don't have to even read a full chapter. Just read a section and ask three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And how can I live this out today? In addition to reading something from the Bible, also pray. And pray saying three things. First of all, say thank you. Tell God thank you for things that are good in your life. Then tell him, I'm sorry. Sorry for the ways in which you have disobeyed him. And then please, asking God for what you and others in your life need. Jesus needed to spend time with his father and so do we. Jesus doesn't say to God, I've got this. Instead, he asks God for help. And in the midst of a deeply honest and difficult prayer, he surrenders his life to him. And we can do that each day when we spend time with God. Now, just to be clear, Jesus doesn't do this out of compulsion or fear. It's not as though God is like some cosmic SWAT team who storms into the Garden of Gethsemane and says, come out with your hands up. He isn't asking Jesus to wave a white flag. Because God does ask Jesus to do something difficult, but Jesus does what he does willingly and out of love. One of the evidences of that is something you may have noticed but not understood, and that is that Jesus, here in this text, says and calls his father Abba. He says, Abba, Father. Now, it's important. Abba is actually not a Greek word. Greek is the word that the authors of the New Testament uh, used. Abba is an Aramaic word. That's the language that Jesus would have spoken at home and in public. It was his mother tongue. So Abba in Aramaic is more equivalent to the word Papa, a term of great intimacy and affection. In fact, it might be best to translate it in English as Daddy. Jesus loved God. God is awesome, holy, and just. But Jesus isn't afraid of approaching his Father in heaven, and neither should we. Yes, we should revere God. But he is also our daddy. So when God asks something of us, something that requires we set aside a plan, give up a dream, or endure a trial a little longer, we can surrender to God because we know that there is intimacy between us and him. It may sound strange to our ears, but Jesus didn't want to do what God asked of him. That's disorienting for some. And yet it's true. But at the same time, even more, he wanted to do what his Father in heaven asked him to do. And he did this out of love, out of love for us. It's what inspired Paul to write in in his book uh, that we call Romans. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did this because he loves us deeply. Jesus asked God to take this cup from him. What's he talking about? Well, the cup is the full measure of our sin and its consequences. So when Jesus died, he died for our sin. All our pride and envy and jealousy and anger and lust, And cruelty were absorbed by what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's no wonder that he asked for another way. It's impossible to imagine the horror and the darkness that descended on Jesus when he became sin for us. It's no wonder he asked if there was a plan B. And yet at the same time, he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. Years earlier, Jesus was asked by his disciples, how should we pray? And he gave them a prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, although it's really not the prayer Jesus prayed. It's the one that he's given us to pray. And one of the phrases in that is, thy will be done. Jesus taught them to pray that, and now what he does for them in the Garden of Gethsemane and the events that go beyond that is demonstrate it what it looks like to surrender our will to God. So again, what about us? Well, first, make that big S surrender. Make the decision to become a Christian and to submit and surrender your life to Him. And then, be willing on a daily basis to do those small S surrenders, to tell God each day, not my will, but yours be done. You know, it's tempting for us to say, God, you know, really, honestly, I'd rather have things my way. Sometimes we think our way is better, but the truth is, our way isn't better. If you want to do what you want to do in direct defiance of God's will, you will have less joy and peace and more heartache and disappointment than you imagine. If you're holding on to something that you think will make you happy, think again. Money won't make you happy, neither will sex or power or fame or bitterness or anger or independence or comfort or pleasure or control. The Christian life isn't always easy. There will be times when by choice or fate, we're asked to trust and obey, to surrender our will to God, We may well find ourselves in a garden-like place where the choice is not between one great opportunity and another, but between doing something hard or deciding to walk away and do things our own way. When you do, find yourself in a place like that. Surrender to God. Not only is this God's will for you, but it's in your best interests. That's because God is our Abba, our Daddy. He loves us more than we can imagine. That's why Jesus was willing to surrender his life and his will and in the moment to his Father. What he did made it possible for us to be reconciled to God. Jesus delights each time we surrender, imperfectly as we do, to God's will for us. So would you commit in advance that when God asks something of you, something you don't understand, something that might be difficult or unpopular, that you will say, yes, I'll obey. To say, I'll trust you even when I cannot see how it's going to turn out. To say, your will, not mine, be done. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus in the garden. For his honest humanity, his passionate prayer, and his humble surrender to your will. Father, show us if there is something in our lives that we need to surrender to you. May we do as Jesus did, saying, not what I will, but instead, may your will be done. Father, this week, give us wisdom to know the places in our lives that we need to bring to you, and may we submit to your will, trusting that you are good and wise, obeying you not out of guilt or duty, but out of gratitude for what you have done for us on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name.